Our scripture reading today is from the book of Joshua, all of chapter 2. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went out and came into the house of the prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you and who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when, I, uh, and when the gate was closed at about dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you all the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sinon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, I please swear to me that by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the man said to her, Our life for yours even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she led them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills where the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you have led us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone, who is with you in the house. His blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. 
And she said, According to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers had returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. The two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. This is the word of the Lord. Speak God. All right. Lucas, hey, thanks for reading today. You did a really good job. That was a long passage, wasn't it? Yeah. Some challenging words in there. Um, you killed it. Thank you. Thanks for serving our family so well. And um, Lucas, I want you to know uh, you're, you, matter to our, you matter to God and you matter to our family. You're just as much a part of this church family as your parents are or any of the adults in this room. And you guys know in the New Testament where God talks about giving gifts to those who are his kids. He gives gifts through the spirit for his fame and for the good of other people. Did you know there's no like age bracketing on that? So Lucas, God the Father has given you the spirit and has given you gifts to serve the family just as much as anybody else uh, in this room. So thanks for serving us so well this morning. Good work. Good work. Um, yeah, you can clap again. Great. So I'm up here to introduce our guest preacher for the morning, which would lead some of you to ask the question inside because you're afraid to say it outside. Like, does John ever work? Like, pastor, pastors only work once a week anyway. Does this guy ever work? Um, I do. And I have, there are four days in September that I'm already scheduled to work. So uh, with today we finish our Ordinary People Gospel Power uh, series. And next week I'll begin a, an autumn series, if you will, in the New Testament letter of Jude. And um, I'm really excited about it. So yes, I will do some work in the month of, of September. In the meantime, uh, I'd like to introduce to you our guest speaker for the morning, and his first name is Shohei. And earlier this week, one of the guys in our church family who's an avid baseball fan, Dodgers fan actually, said, wow, Shohei, does his last name happen to be Otani? And I said, no, it's not Shohei Otani, who's probably the best known baseball player from Japan who's playing in the States right now. Uh, Shohei Yuki, but Shohei, we're more thankful that you're here. We'd rather have you than Shohei Otani uh, any day. Uh, Shohei Yuki, he's, he's a member of the pastoral team at Grace Harbor Church in Tokyo. So the next time you're taking a trip, that's basically near where the Olympics took place too, right? Yeah, right out there. So the next time you're in Tokyo for a weekend, just look up Grace Harbor Bilingual Services. Is that correct? Yeah, Bilingual Services, okay? So you can worship Jesus with some of our um, family members in Tokyo. So Shohei is down here this weekend to preach, uh, to introduce him a little bit. He's been married for 20 years. His wife's name is Saoko. They have four kids, John, Jay, Yuzuri, and Joe. And it uh, just so happens that Yuzuri and Joe are with their father this weekend. So there are guests. Guys, we're really glad that you came down and are here with us. Welcome. And we're really glad that you're here. 
I asked Shohei what his favorite hobbies are. They happen to be surfing and running, and not just casual running, but marathoning and ultra-marathoning. So uh, I tried to say in the first service, I'm sensing something of a pastoral call to Okinawa. I mean, if you're gonna surf and run like that, I think you should move down here with your family. So we'll just have to work those details out later. Now he, uh, during, uh, over the years, he's lived in two places in the US. So I just wanna see if there's any overlap with community here. Do we have any Delaware people in the house? All right, we got one. What city? Does Delaware have cities? <laughs> Towns. Lewis? Rehoboth? You guys will have to connect later. So we guess. All right, so we got some Delaware. How about Massachusetts? Got some Massachusetts in the house? Man, talk about two under, are those states or territories? Wow, I don't know, dude, I tried, I tried. My family comes from Massachusetts and actually in Vermont, I forgot to mention this in the first service, Shohei went to Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. My grandfather, my mom's dad, attended and graduated from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, super cool. Uh, Shohei, we're really glad that you're here. Thank you for traveling all the way down from Tokyo to serve us. Uh, so without any further ado, if you'd give uh, Shohei a warm welcome and come on up and, and point us to Jesus. Good morning, everyone. My name is Shohei, not Otani, uh, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, Shohei Otani is so famous right now, so, uh, but uh, I, I'm older Shohei. <laughs> I'm 43 years old right now, and Shohei Otani is a big Shohei. I guess he's a six-something. I'm only 5'3". <laughs> so it's a, in you know, centimeters, 161, 1.61 meters. So very, I'm a small Shohei. So now, you know, today's speaker is a Shohei, a small Shohei. So I am a Japanese. I was born and grew up in Japan, and I have experience in living in the United States, Delaware, and Massachusetts near Boston. So um, I can speak in English, but since I'm Japanese, uh, my preaching maybe may somehow have some accent, like pak the ka, you know. So. <laughs> So, yeah, but it's, uh, I'm so, it's a huge, wonderful privilege for me and honor to be here and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And actually, this is my first time, uh, actually, this is the third time to be here in Okinawa, but it's, uh, in this year is the first time to be here. So, my, before the 42 years, I was, I have never been to Okinawa, and, you know, this is third time this year. And I love it here already. So maybe we, we need to talk seriously about, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I grew up in a Christian family. So um, my, actually, my father was a Catholic, Roman Catholic, and my mother was a Protestant, Presbyterians. So I was actually baptized in the Catholic Church and have a Christian name. Just realized that a couple of years ago when my, my father was dying, I, I went to the Catholic church and, and checked my Christian name, and I found out my, I am a Peter. So it doesn't, doesn't ring anything. But am I rock? Well, um, but uh, when I was around five years old, I used to go to Catholic church, but um, 
the time my father started to stop, uh, he, he just stopped going to the church. And the Sunday became his drinking day. So the, in the afternoon, he just drunk, you know. So, and then my, my mother started to take me and my brothers to the Protestant church where I did um, a professional faith. Since then, I stayed in my, uh, a Presbyterian church and thankfully God made me the preacher to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But as a Christian, I had uh, so many conflicts when I grew, grew up, uh, especially in a teenager, because when I was a child, I used to pray every day and used to go to Sunday school every Sundays, Sunday mornings. But when I became a junior high student, I realized the Christians is only me. None of my friends are Christians. I was surrounded by non-Christians who has no value of the Bible. And when I became a junior high, I started to belong to the soccer club. And the soccer club, and every Sunday they have a practice and games. So I was almost forced to go there, but I didn't want to go because I was Christian. Then my friend and the coach started to uh, make fun of me. Why, why do you go to church? Are you Christian or Christian? What, what is Christianity like? So I was, I, that made me great struggle and conflict within me. What is my faith? What, can I, what should I believe? But God graciously kept my faith within me, even though I have a conflict. But as a, he was with me all the time. Even when I was struggling, he carried me and walked with me, and he encouraged me. So that's how I am now. I'm, not, I'm nothing special. I'm no special. I'm a, just an ordinary Japanese person. I did not accomplish any wonderful stuff. I'm a mere Japanese sinful person. But God always with me and encouraged me and he gave me a great faith to serve him, to know him, to love him, to live with him forever. So today we read Joshua 2. Um, so the Lucas, you read for us. Thank you so much for this wonderful, wonderful scripture reading. It's a long passage, but sounds like, you know, since you read, I don't need to preach anymore. You know, it's enough. I'm full. But it's, uh, one sense it's true because the preacher's word always stopped in some point and it's gone. But the word of God never ever stop and live forever, stand forever. That's what Lucas read, read as so precious. And that's our spiritual food. So again, I... I I express a sincere appreciation, Luke. Thanks so much for doing that. 
So, but the, today, as Lucas read, the Bible talks about the, some conflict or battle in the ancient time. So, I want to read the scripture in the points and points and share the, some points what we can apply into our lives. But it's a, this passage, you, you see the heroine whose name is Rahab. So some of you, maybe not of you or many of us ask, know the Rahab is. She was an immoral and careless foreign woman. She was outsider, even in the people in the Jericho. She was especially of course, outsider from the people of Israel, but God somehow is a favor on Rahab. That's a story of that. So Rahab is normal, ordinal, sinful woman. God made her very special. How that happened? So let me read the first couple verses again. Verse one, two, three. So Joshua 2, 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Sittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And he was told to the kings of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search our land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. So Joshua, the king of Jews, was appointed to conquer the land of Canaan after escaping from the Egypt, the Moses escaped to Egypt. And then Joshua succeeded Moses' plan, and then he was about to conquer and rule the promised land God was about to give them. And being in front of Jericho, he needed to have some strategy. Because Jericho was a fortress city surrounded by huge walls. And the soldiers of Israelites, they cannot conquer this wall by themselves. So he needs to be wise. And God appointed him to send the spies to see what's going on in the walls. So that's why Joshua sent two spies getting into, sneaking into the walls of Jericho and see what's going on there. So the spies went into the wall of Jericho and found the house. And they were planning to stay in that house because the night is coming. They knocked the door. Hello, is somebody there? And the lady came out. Yes, 
Who are you? Well, we're travelers, and we want to spend a night at your house because dark is coming. So somehow Rahab welcomed them. Yes, come on in. And they came into the Rahab's house. The spies thought, yes, the mission is accomplished. We saw the area of the Jericho, and now we can stay at this woman's house, and then maybe next day we can go back to the king and we can report what's going on here. But actually, the mission was not successful. The people in the Jericho heard the two spies came into the wall and they reported to the king of Jericho. Sir, the spies came to the Jericho and searched all around our city. And the king heard that. And the king sent the pursuers into Rahab's house. Hello, we're the king's servant, Rahab. I heard you have two spies in your house. We want to see them. Call them, the Rahab said. Yes, we, they, they came here, but actually they just left before you come. So, and they, I, th I think they go back home and said, I don't know where they come from. So now you can, you can search them and you can, you can catch them. So that pursuers left the house and gone to the place they're supposed to be. So the spies was, were hid by Rahab on the roof and they were protected by Rahab. So this is the first plot of the story, but what we can see is very strange scene. The Rahab, the prostitute, welcomed them, and then they, she hit them, and they were safe. So the question arises, why did the, the spies went to Rahab's house? We don't know why, but one thing we can see, think is, you know, the Rahab was, some, was somebody, somebody appointed Rahab. And in fact, the God knew Rahab, and God found her and gave her a special task. Again, she was a sinful woman. And she was immoral and careless woman. How can this kind of woman get the special appointment from God? That's something we can ask. When you see that somebody who's sinful or worthless, we don't rely on this person, right? If there's somebody who's a really bad guy, we don't want to trust them. But this is how God did with Rahab. God has his own perspective, and we have our own perspective. And 
God's perspective and our perspective doesn't match many times. Even though we think Rahab was a sinful woman, God chose her, and he gave her a special appointment. When we think about ourselves as a Christian, do we think we are special? Do we think we, are, we deserve to be called by God? When we think about ourselves, maybe we think like that because we want to be like that. We want to be good person. We want to be nice person. We want to be a kind person. And so that we get great fit from somebody or God. That's why we want to be like that. But the reality we are is no, we are sinful and worthless person. Reflect what we did, what you did last week. Were you a good person? In some point, yes, you, you might say that, but say, were you 100% good person? Maybe not. And when you think about your sin, what you have done against God, you never be able to, I'm worthful. I'm worth to be called. I'm worth to be praised. In God's eyes, we are sinful and we are worthless. We don't deserve anything to receive from God. Nevertheless, God appoints us to have a special task. Like God did Rahab. We are like Rahab, thinking our own sin, thinking our life. And yet, God appoints us and God loves us. So that's the first point we need to know when it comes to read the Rahab. We are sinful. We are sinful outsiders. But God finds us. God finds us and points us and gives us a special appointment in this life. Rahab took good care of the spies, but it doesn't end here. This kindness and hospitality is not something she just wanted to do, but it's something she came inside out. What's inside in her? So let's read the verse 11, 8 to 11. Verse Let's start at nine. And said to the man, 
I know that the Lord has given you a land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard now, now we have heard how the Lord dries out the water of the Red Sea before you when, came, when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. So the Rahab knew what's going on in the situation. She heard by somebody that the Israelites are coming to the Jericho and the people in the Israelites are not many, but God with them. And the God escaped the people from Egypt and they were with them and conquered the other kings. And that strong people are coming to Jericho. She heard that. And then she even shared the, I mean, leaked the great important information to despise, which is the people in Jericho were so afraid of the people in Israel, and they are in panic. That's a great news for the spies. Because the spies want, wanted to see the Jericho, not only the scenery, the building, but the people. What are they doing as the Israelites are coming to conquer? Are they strong? Want to fight? Or they are ready to defend the fortress? What Rahab said is, yes, the people in Jericho was so in panic. That's a good news for the spies. But more than that, this is really remarkable to read the Rahab's saying, 11, and as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, the God, Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. This is confession of Rahab, the foreigner, sinful woman, to confess the God, the Lord, is God who created the earth and ruled everything. She confessed her faith to the spies. She was total outsiders who doesn't deserve to be called somebody, even in the people in Jericho. But God find her, found her in this town and loved her. And God opened Rahab's heart and to know God and to believe God and to confess her faith. You are the Lord. And the people in Jericho are so in panic because of you. But I know you love me. You own me. That's her confession of faith. So the Bible says we are saved by faith, 
not work. We are all saved by confessing, confessing that our God is the Lord, my God, my Savior. That's how we are saved. But many times we misunderstand. We do something good so that we will be saved. If we give such a money, hundreds of thousand dollars, then we will be saved. If we do good works with homeless people or orphanage and, and the poor people, then we'll be saved. The religions say, yes, that's how you are saved, but not in the Christianity. Not at all. We are saved only by the faith in Jesus Christ. This is how Rahab did. She was not saved by her hospitality, but Rahab was saved by her confession of the Lord. In fact, the Hebrew New Testament says, Hebrew 11 says, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So God found Rahab, the foreigners, ordinary woman, sinner. But not only finding her, but he loved her. And he opened her heart to know God and to love God. That's how she was saved. And likewise, yes, when we open our hearts and confess a sin, how we are against God, our creator, and repent him and trust in him. Yes, you saved me. Then you will be saved. Your all sins are forgiven. This is truth of the Bible. Know these need. Know these are needed. This is another truth we need to see the story of Rahab. God saves the sinners, ordinal people like Rahab, like me. His extraordinary love saves the ordinal people like you and me. This is another truth. So the Rahab's confession changed all situation with the spies. And then spies was escaped successfully and then left the Jericho. And they went back to the king of Joshua. The spies reported, King, we came back here. And here's the good news. We went there, and we searched around the wall in Jericho. And look, the people in Jericho are very fearful of us. And they're in a panic. And the one woman, Rahab, she helped us, and she shared this story. 
And then King Joshua noticed this, and he had a confidence to conquer this wall. And then Joshua orders, made the order to the soldiers to conquer this fortress city. The story of conquering Jericho is a very famous story. Maybe, maybe many, many of you know, already knew. But it's really interesting. That normally, when you send the soldiers, the, how you conquer the city is, is the soldier fight against an enemy soldiers or break the wall so that people can get in. But how they, how they did was very strange. They did walk around six times the around the wall, six times every day. Six days, six times, they walk around the fortress. I know many of you are mentally related people, and I ask a question, have you heard this kind of strategy? No. <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a very bad strategy. <laughs> but the, again, your standard and my standard and God's standards is totally different. Our perspective and God's perspective is different. This is how we do, but God has his own strategy, which is always great. So God sent the soldiers around, walking around the Jericho and walked six times, six days. And the seventh days, and they walk again, and then they shouted, Whoa! Then somehow, against the science, the wall was destroyed. Then the soldiers get into the fortress city, and they rule and conquer the whole city. What happened to Rahab? So the Bible says the soldiers found Rahab and saved them, saved her. She was saved safely. Not only Rahab, but also her father, Mother, brothers, sisters, whole relatives are saved. That's what the scripture says. Not only Rahab herself, but whole clan was saved by Israelites because of Rahab's confession of faith. When we believed Jesus Christ as Savior, our family is also saved. Not only me, not only my faith, but it's whole our family's faith. That's what the Bible says. We need only faith to believe Jesus Christ so that our life, whole life is secured. Me, my family. That's a promise. So I, I grew up in a Christian family. 
But my mother's side, I am a fourth-generation Christian. So I did some research during my seminary education, wanted to know about my original Christianity, my root of Christianity, and found out my great-grandmother was Christian, and she was a deacon in a church during the 1905-1907, 120 years ago. And from the point my great-grandmother, grandmother, grandfather, and my mother and myself, the faith of Jesus Christ flow like a river. And my kids, they are the fifth generation. In fact, the Christianity in Japan is very small numbers, you know, very small population. And depends on the statistic, it says about 1% or conservative statistics says it's only 0.3%, namely 300,000 people out of 127 million people. I'm a really rare Christian, Japanese Christian. And my kids are more, even rarer. It's almost an extinct species. Not extinct, it's endangered species. It's not gone. <laughs> but, you know, again, my, my faith is not something I gained. It's not something I, I earned by my effort. It's just I received because of only God's unconditional love. I did not do anything. But once my great-grandmother confessed that Jesus Christ is Savior, that saving face comes to me. I am ordinary person, but God's extraordinary love, extraordinary redemption saved me. What a wonderful, great news we have. I have. We are sinful people. So are you. It's hard to admit it. But because of Jesus Christ, we are saved. And the saving grace flows into your kids or your friends, your family. That's a great news we have today. If you confess Jesus Christ is your Savior, your own Savior, saving from the eternal punishment, eternal judgment, only believe in it. You'll be in heaven. You'll be in a paradise today and forever. Jesus Christ, he crossed, he was crucified because of you. In fact, he was not, he, was, he didn't sing at all. He was a sinless person. He did the perfect life. Nothing to be punished. But the rulers and teachers caught him and put him in the prison and he did a um, court and sentenced the death penalty. But that cross was not for him because he didn't do anything wrong. Because of myself, 
my sin. Like Rahab, sinful woman, sinful man was saved because of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. This is something we need to know the Rahab story. God's extraordinary love saves the ordinary people, ordinary person like me. In many times in our lives, we feel worthless because of our sin. Even though we don't want to sin, we do sin. And we we sin again, 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 again. We feel very discouraged, so disappointed myself, and we feel worthless. How can I live as a Christian? How can I live? That leads sometimes to discouragement, total discouragement. In one sense, yes, you are sinful, and you don't deserve anything because of sin. But another truth is, yes, although you are sinful, but God loves you so much, and God calls you precious son and daughter. You are so precious. And I love you. I love you so much. So please know this truth. Although you feel very worthless, you are precious. Although you feel very sinful, you are precious. You feel nothing or ordinary person, you are special person. Because God's extraordinary love saved you. If you're a Christian and know this truth, this is a good reminder. And I invite you and encourage you to spread this great news to with your neighbors. Like I said, the saving grace is not only you, but saving grace is your for your friends your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. So I encourage you to share this wonderful news of Jesus Christ. And I heard that the Pillar Church is helping the single moms in your ministry. I was aware of the numbers of single moms in Okinawa. I heard there's a big issue here in Okinawa. Divorce rates is very high and the moms are left behind and they have to raise their kids with poverty. And I'm so thankful the Pillar Church is really uh, putting the effort to serve with the moms. That's what we are going to do that we need to do because we are blessed by the Christ so that we are becoming, we are the blessing to the people. So please 
please remind yourself the gospel you received. Although you are ordinary person, you are now special, so that you can be a blessing to the people you love. God's extraordinary love saved you, saved us, such an ordinary person, so that we can be a blessing to others. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this great news of the gospel. Thank you for the wonderful message, loving message to the ordinary person like me. Yes, I am nobody. I am nothing. I am ordinary person, and I am a sinful person. I don't deserve anything to receive your love or any favor. But because of your unconditional, special, steadfast love, you love me and you call me, you are precious. And I am your son, and we are sons and daughters. Thank you so much. Thank you for much, so much for your love. And thank you for calling you dad. And thank you for, so much for the giving us a wonderful opportunity to share this good news of Jesus Christ. So let us walk with Christ every day, each day, even though we feel very weak or worthless because you carried us, we walked with us. And let us glorify your name. Let us glorify and lift up your high in our lives. Thank you for this good news of Jesus Christ again. We love you. In Jesus' name pray. Amen.